The story we're gonna hear today is one that many of you will be able to resonate with. Being in a space where you feel unseen, unheard, unwanted, unappreciated, feeling utterly alone, and then discovering that God is with you in the midst. What makes Shannon's story beautifully unique is that she is 15. She is, outside of my kids, the youngest guest that we've had on the podcast. She found me, and she found me not because she was looking, but because God put the podcast in front of her on Facebook. I don't do any advertising, so I have no idea why she saw it. But God ended up affirming to her that he was up to something because the time we ended up recording ended up being a time where she had a cancellation. And what I love is that her story spans the years of age 9 to age 15. And yet the spiritual truths that she shares are ones that we have been hitting on in several of these episodes in conversations with people decades older than her. What's beautiful about this is while we like to put a limit on the age at which we can understand and experience God, God says, I can speak to and work through whoever I want, no matter how old or young they are. So I really believe that Shannon's story is going to encourage some of you listening, and that as you're listening, you will not hear a 15-year-old, but you will hear a sister in Christ with valuable spiritual truths to share. And ultimately, she reminds us that God can meet us anywhere, even in a playground. You're listening to episode 89 of the Where Did You See God podcast. All the outcast, the throwaways, the rejected, the bullied, the unlovable, the depressed, the suicidal, even the ones who suffer in secret. This is a piece of my story. This was a part of my development. Five years ago in school, I was rejected. I was an outcast. I had something in me that other kids didn't have. I was different and I resented that about myself. I tried and tried to change who I was, and it seemed as whatever I did, I still couldn't blend in. They could see through me like a mirror. I squeezed myself into a box that I wasn't created to fit in by saying and doing things that they did. They still could see the light that I was trying to hide. I wanted to blend in with the darkness because I wanted to feel wanted, included, accepted, as if I belonged. I wanted their approval. I was alone and hurt and masked my emotions to make it seem like everything was fine when I wasn't. I was often stabbed in the back, talked about by some who I thought were friends. I was the kid who ate alone, walked alone, talked alone, sat alone. I was at a point where, even in a room full of people, I still felt alone. I felt deserted. I was crying out from the inside and no one knew. I searched and searched for ways to fill that missing void inside my heart, looking towards the wrong resources. And music was one of them. I listened to a lot of secular music, from R&B to pop songs. Any song that came out, I was listening to it. Music became my best friend. And I was unaware of what doorways I was opening up to my spiritual man. I listened to depressing and lonely artists because they could relate to the pain I was going through not realizing the more and more I was letting the songs release into my spirit, the more lonely and depressed I felt. 
behind most of the songs in the secular music industry, there is a spirit behind it, including gospel artists. Be aware of what you allow into your ear gates. It's more than just a song. I never realized this until I found the source. In the midst of my pain and hurt, he had to show me who I was in him and not of this world. He had to reveal to me that he is with me and is still with me through it all. He never left me nor forsaken me and he will do the same for you. He is a friend like no other. He will stick with you through the hardest and trying times and even in your best times. My message to you is, why listen to someone who didn't create you? They don't have the right to label you. Only your creator does. And he calls you chosen. He calls you loved and much more. You belong and are welcome into his kingdom. His name is Jesus and he desires for you to be you. Be who he has called you to be. Be bold, be courageous, be radical. People will hate on and talk about you regardless, whether you do good or bad. Don't blend in with the darkness, shine your light. If you spend your time trying to please people, it's always gonna be someone who is unhappy about how you dress, how you talk, how you look. Focus on pleasing God because he's the only one that matters, no one else. Father God, I just wanna thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for the ways that you make connections. I really do believe that one of the ways that you express yourself is through community, through the larger body. And so I thank you for this really unique expression um, that two people that had never met before and never would have connected otherwise, you've brought us together and given us the opportunity to explore more of who you are and who you've created us to be. So I just pray for this time. I pray that you would guide our words, that if there's anything you want us to sit with, that we would sit with it. And all this so that you are glorified and honored. So we thank you for the privilege and opportunity, and we look forward to seeing how you work. I just pray in my holy name. Amen. Amen. So Shannon, I'm excited to have you on. You actually reached out to me. I think you said you found me on Facebook. Yes. How did you come across the podcast on Facebook? It just like a, it? it appeared on my phone and I just was drawn to the title. Like, where did you see God? Even just seeing the logo and everything, even the guests on your show is just amazing. And I'm like, okay, I have to connect with them. Well, I'm so glad you did because I feel like even in just the little I know of what you shared, there's some powerful stuff that God's teaching you, but also I really feel like there's going to be somebody listening that's going to be encouraged by it. But before we jump into all that, one thing that I do with all my guests is I want to create a way for them to briefly share who they are in a short and fun way. And the way I do that is give random prompts. And here is the random prompt that popped in my head for you because you're 15, right? Yes, I am. And Aside from my kids, you are the youngest guest that I've had on the podcast. Oh, really? And, <laughs> yeah. And my kids didn't really have much choice. So <laughs> you are the youngest guest to choose willingly <laughs> to be on the podcast. So the prompt I got for you is imagine that they're about to put out a yearbook and they're going to do special profiles for each of the students. So under their names, there's a description. It's got your name and then a short description of who you are. So let's say I come across this yearbook and I see, oh, there's Shannon. And I start reading. What does the little teeny bio under your yearbook pick say? Okay. Well, I'm a graphic designer. I love to create. Um, <laughs> I love to sing and especially dance. <laughs> but I never dance in front of people, maybe one time. And I just love music as well. I love it. So one of the things that you asked is for me to play your story prior yes. to our conversation. 
in that you share a quick glimpse of who you are. And I imagine that had to be challenging to take what was years of experience and years of wrestling and package it into one thing. But there's so much that's in that. And so I want to just give you space to unpack that even more. So in this short few minutes, you share a lot about yourself. But if you had the floor to share more, tell me more of your story. Okay, well, I'm going to start from when I was a young child. Like I stated before, I love singing, music, and dancing. And I remember when I was younger, I always loved to sing the song, This Little Light of Mine, Mm -hmm. everywhere I went. And I never understood my attachment to this song until now. I've always wanted to make the light inside of me shine. And I don't remember what age I was, but I was at a wedding and the band was getting ready to pack up. But I asked them if I could sing this little light of mine. And I grabbed a mic and I started singing it. And even at a birthday party for a family member, I sung the song. So it was truly a boldness that I carried at a young age. Not only that, but I always loved creating. Whether it was colorful paper fans I made or colorful birthday cards or art projects, I've always been drawn to art and creating. And for a majority of the time, my art was to help someone else smile. I always wanted to make someone happy. So now I actually tapped into graphic design and digital art, and I still have the same goal that I had as a young child, to let my light shine and to help others get out of that state of heaviness, depression, suicidal thoughts, pain, rejection, and the list really goes on so that they are free to walk into what God has called them to walk in for such a time as this, no longer stuck in that bondage or being held back. And my story that I'm about to share is an example of that, that you can be freed, that you can be healed, and no more covering up the wounds because God can unwrap that bandage and heal every hurt if you let him. I moved to this school for fourth and fifth grade, and my previous school that I went to before was very welcoming and accepting and very loving from the teachers, the children, the principal, and it was a very lovely atmosphere, and I felt like I could truly be me there. They allowed you to embrace your creativity as well, and it was very diverse. There were children from China, India, Puerto Rico, Greece, basically from all over the globe, and everyone was equal. Unlike my new school that I went into in fourth and fifth grade, it was a total shift from the atmosphere of my previous school. It was less welcoming from the teachers, the children, and the principal. It was less diverse, leaving me to be the only black girl in my class. And let alone, I was the new girl. So I was instantly rejected and alone for years. And I was the kid in the playground that no one went to play with or talk to. And I was also a kid who sat alone and I was mentally bullied and teased. Everyone pointed out my imperfections and flaws, and I became the outcast. So the more and more I tried to live up to their standards, the more I tried to please them and mask who I was. And they could see past how I was different from them inside and out. I lost myself. I didn't even know who I was anymore. I couldn't recognize the person I saw in the mirror every day. The light inside of me that I carried as a little girl grew dim. The boldness I once had turned into fear, anxiety, depression. And over time, after carrying unhappiness, suicidal thoughts developed in my mind. It was one time I thought I made friends, but in reality, they backstabbed me, Hmm. talking about me negatively behind my back, which hurt even more, leaving me to be more lonely. Every negative statement about me, I heard it and I accepted it. 
Every word helped me shape my false identity. I gave them that right. I started to think the things they said about me was true. I became my own punching bag, beating myself up every day because I wasn't fitting the criteria or standard they wanted me to fit into. Whenever I passed by them, their eyes would watch me in silence, saying more than words could ever express. There were also hurtful remarks made about my appearance, my personality, and how I dressed differently. I heard every whisper, and it was painful to experience at 9 and 10. It was also painful to see everyone with their friends as I went day by day alone, set apart from others, feeling worthless. I turned to music, thinking that it would satisfy the longing in my heart to not feel alone and to feel loved. The type of artist I would listen to experienced similar feelings that I had when I was depressed and suicidal, and I was not aware of what doorways I was opening up. I was constantly listening to lyrics that said, you know, I'm depressed and I want to end my life. And I was feeding my spirit with that. And it really applies also to the people you hang around as well as what you watch on TV and listen to. You ever heard the term, you are what you eat? Well, yeah, it applies to the same thing. Who you hang around, what you listen to. Mm -hmm. So in my case, I was constantly listening to the negative words in those songs. And it increased my feeling of depression and suicidal thoughts. Because when you hear something so many times, whether negative or positive, it will eventually have an effect on you if you let it and you start to think and believe it yourself. And that goes hand in hand with power being in your words because I constantly spoke that I was depressed and that I was suicidal. It's such a serious thing. God created everything with words, so that should show how powerful your words are. What you speak will manifest, good or bad. And other than music, I tried to cope by going into toxic friendships outside of school. And even in that room full of people, I still felt lonely. There were many areas where I was searching for peace. However, what I thought was bringing me peace was only temporary. I wanted internal peace. Listening to depressing artists, having toxic friendships only helped for a temporary amount of time. And I found myself getting more and more depressed. But I realized what was really keeping me here and pulling me through was talking to God. There were times where I truly had peace. That eternal peace was during recess, which I'm sure you know a kid's playground can get very chaotic and noisy. But in despite of that, I used to talk to God and I quieted the noise around me. Mm -hmm. It was only me and him. It was a running track on the playground and I just used to walk and talk to God because I didn't care about what was around me, who could see me or who could hear me. It was an everyday thing. I lost track of time by doing that. Metaphorically, it can relate to anybody because quieting all the noise and the chaos around you, silencing everything, and just focusing and meditating on God, whether that's silencing your phone or just using your quiet time to spend time with Him and commune with Him. But on the 9th of July 18th, three years ago, I wanted to end my life. I grew tired of looking at myself in the mirror every day. Mm. I didn't like my skin complexion. I felt worthless, invisible, and not important. I was tired of being the kid who was rejected. I was tired of being different. And I was tired of being depressed every day. And I was tired. I started wishing I was someone else or out of the world. My hope was gone. I was tired of hiding my pain in front of my family as well. That was really the moment when I started to doubt God, even questioning if he was real. And if he was real, why did he make me different from the others? Why couldn't I be like everyone else in my school? 
I didn't want to be labeled as different. I just wanted it all to be over. I didn't want to be me anymore. And I even thought, what's the point of even living? I didn't want to keep going on with the pain. But that's when God revealed to me that he is with me and is still with me through everything. He showed me that I had purpose. And even though I wasn't wanted by the people around me, even to them, I was considered someone of no worth. But God showed me he wanted me and I was worth it. He often uses the people who are thrown to the back, the ones who are rejected, the one that nobody wants, the ones who people don't think qualify for the job, but God says they qualify. He pulls them out from the back and brings them to the front. He picks them from the crowd. It's usually the ones you least expect. It's the ones who truly have a heart for him, who love him. It doesn't matter about their outward appearance, but the inward. Someone you may think is qualified, might not be the one God chooses because of what they carry on the inside. It may be someone you don't think is qualified. The one may be in rags. You never can judge someone by their appearance. And that always draws me back to David and Saul. You know, they thought he was too young to do it, but he was able to kill the giant. So yeah, that's my story. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. One, I want to let you know, I appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable. And especially at age 15, it's hard for adults twice your age, <laughs> three times your age to be vulnerable. Yes. And so the fact that you're stepping into this space is just worth celebrating and noting, especially, you know, you started by sharing that when you were young, you grabbed the mic at a wedding. It started singing. Yes. <laughs> but you also mentioned that you like to dance, but you don't want to dance in front of people. And so it's like interesting to see that we have these tensions within us, moments where we feel bold and moments where we want to pull ourselves back. Yes. And this is one of those spaces where it could be easy to want to pull yourself back because you're putting your vulnerable stuff out there. You're acknowledging hard things. You're acknowledging that you wanted to end your life, yep. right? Which some people might be ashamed to say out loud, much less on a podcast. Right. <laughs> and I think based on what you said, I know that a big part of that is because of who God has been in your life. Yes. But the other thing that's really beautiful is that piece. As you're sharing, all I could think of was the verse where Paul writes to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Yes. What is so beautiful about what you've just done and what you've shared is there's so many parts of your story that reminded me of some of the stories I've heard during this podcast series of people who are, again, like two or three times older than you that are sharing similar sentiments, working through similar questions, have gone through similar things. A guy named T recently wrestled with feeling unseen by those around him. When you were talking about being on the playground, talking to God, it made me think of a recent guest, Elle, who shared she's got kids older than you, but it wasn't until a couple of years ago that she really started to converse with God. Wow. And so I want to encourage you that age isn't a determining factor for who God is and how God can work. Right. To that end, I have a question for you. Okay. You know, somebody listening to this might think, Wait, what does that mean that she talked to God on the playground? Or how is it that she can even communicate with God? What does that mean? If someone asks you that question, what does it mean to talk to God? How would you answer them? It's like talking to your best friend on the phone. You know, you call them and you talk to them and then you wait for their response. And he's really my best friend. That's the best way I can put it. Yeah. I can talk to him anytime I need to. He's always available. How did you come to know that he was your best friend? Because, right, somebody could say, wait, isn't God invisible? Can you audibly hear? Like, how did you know that God was your best friend? Well, 
train up a child in the way that they should go, they won't depart from it. Well, that's how I was raised. I was raised to talk to God. I was raised in the church and I still go to church now. And it's just always been in my mind, like to talk to God, Mm -hmm. despite whatever you face, he's always there to be with you. So that always stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing that I was thinking about. I have three young kids. The oldest one is almost nine. So I thought about him as you were sharing the start of your story of being nine to 10 years old. One of the things that's been so beautiful and such a gift from God is God has brought my family in the last few years, particularly into a space of learning how it is we could seek him together as a family. So not just the adults doing their spiritual stuff and then the kids go to Sunday school. It's no, how can we invite the kids into the same kind of stuff that we're processing ourselves? Right. If we're going to pray for something, what could it look like to invite our kids to pray for that? And what could it look like to invite our kids as we're serving to join in as a real part of that? And you have to get creative depending on how young they are. But even our youngest, we were doing some really overt ministry and service a few years ago when our youngest was not even a year old yet. Oh, wow. So he couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. And so someone could say, well, he can't really play a significant spiritual role in this outreach. The reality is, is he actually played a stronger role in bringing people to us because nothing draws people to you like a cute baby, right? right? Yeah. And it could seem like a small thing, but it really was. God was using our not even year old child to bring people to us. And our youngest kids sometimes had a boldness that us grown folks didn't have because they don't have the same level of insecurities and doubts and questions and expectations that we kind of compound on ourselves. Kids just kind of know what needs to happen, just go and do it. Even if they're (laughs) wrong, they're still going to go and do it. And there are conversations that my younger kids at ages four and six at the time had with people they didn't know about who God is that us grown folks are like, oh, wow, I was going to try to walk across the street and avoid that conversation, (laughs) right? There's just something so beautiful about how you're never too young to have a relationship with God. You're never too young to start to practice what it means to communicate with God. And like you said, to then listen, to not just pray outward words, but to then stop and listen to what he says. You know, you're 15, so you're still in school. Yes. And I know for me, middle and high school were were challenging years. And so you had this period of time where it was incredibly hard. And then God met you in that space. God showed you more about who he was and also your identity. And now he's inviting you to continue to walk in those similar spaces. How is being in school and being in those environments different now? How are you operating different in those spaces because of what God's done? Well, I am currently online now, but I still hang out with different teenagers. I'm just more secure with who I am now. And I'm more confident where I could be like, okay, I'm called and I'm a child of God and I can do whatever he has called me to do so I can walk boldly. Yeah. I totally forget that we're in the midst of a pandemic and online schooling has become a bigger thing. That identity piece comes up a lot in what you shared and what you share in the recorded story. How have you seen God allowing you to speak identity into others? Being something that he did for you, how is he now using you to speak that into others? Well, I'm really doing it through Instagram and, you know, just allowing him to pour out of me what I have Mm -hmm. and sharing it with others so they can be freed. Because I wanted to keep it to myself Mm. and go under like a turtle under its little shell to keep it to myself. But I'm like, okay, no, you have to share it because there are other people who need to hear it. 
even adults in the same place that I am now. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to share it. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what really drew me to make the outcast. And it's been touching people ever since. That's awesome. You know, something else that I thought about, and this actually stood out to me when I first listened to the outcast, was when you were talking about music and you said something that really struck me, that the reason that you latched onto that is because they were sharing in the same struggles that you were. And that became a connecting point when you felt, so alone now suddenly oh here's someone else that gets me yeah and you noted that oftentimes those ended up being unhealthy sources because it was. they weren't operating in a healthy place and a healthy understanding of their identity and but the question that it brought to my mind is that's something many people have found themselves in that they're longing to be seen right and then they find a source that they feel like understands them but it's an unhealthy one and it made me wonder why is it that the church, which should be that. I mean, Jesus saw people in their worst of exactly. moments. Jesus understood people in their most insecure spaces. This is a big question, okay. but I'm curious how you'd respond. Okay. Why do you think it is that the church struggles so much to be that space, causing people to have to look for that elsewhere? I think some churches are missing love. Mm. I don't think they accept people the way that they are. There's some churches that just don't. And... I believe they should be showing more love to people because they need it. And they're like, okay, if the church isn't going to show me love, I guess I got to go elsewhere. Mm. That's what leads them to go there because there's no love. Yeah. Let's dig into that more. When you say love, what does that mean for you? How do you understand love in terms of what God's inviting us to? Reflecting Jesus on how he treated others. He ate with the sinners. Mm. He showed love to them. He welcomed them in. Even if it's just eating a meal with somebody who's not with God, just reflecting that light that he carried. And then we should be examples of that light. And we should show love that way by communing with them, just talking with them without judging them. Yeah. Yeah, this idea of love just keeps coming up in conversations. And I think you're right that a big part of that is choosing to engage with someone, choosing to care for someone, choosing to honor someone simply because they exist, not because they've earned it or deserved it or anything like that. Right. And I think that's where we get tripped up is for us, love is conditional. Yeah, Love is something that you need to earn and you need to deserve and you need to do what you need to do to keep it. But I'm not going to give my love if you're not going to receive it, right? Like, right. but that's not what Jesus did. Right. Jesus gave love even to people who didn't receive it well, exactly. that, that killed him, right? Yeah. How do we do that then as people? Because we can talk about that in church, right? Yes. Pastor can get up at the pulpit and talk about love and everyone can say amen and feel it. And then we go out to our different environments, groups of friends, or if people have jobs or if they're in school. And suddenly it's hard for us to do. Why is it hard for us if we want to love to be able to love like Jesus? Why is it so hard for us? Well, I feel like it might be hard because a lot of people are hurt themselves Mm. and they don't know how to show love to them as well. Some people grow bitter because they hold in that pain. Mm. Because I personally, I was holding in pain myself and I started getting heart pains, actually like physical heart Mm. pains, because I was holding on to everything that happened to me in the past from what people did to me, what they said, and I was holding on to it. And then how can you help somebody else if you're in critical condition yourself? Mm. So I believe that's the problem that people in the church need to get healed from that pain and hurt so they can be able to help somebody else. Yeah. 
because they don't know how to love themselves yet. So how can they love somebody else? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, the last episode was with Elle and she talked about this idea of receiving God's love and that's what brought her healing. And she had been in a place where she wanted healing in a certain way and then God actually had a different idea. Yeah. <laughs> and what she needed to do was simply receive his love. And she has been utterly transformed. Who she is, how she understands, like she cared about people before. Right. But now she's able to carry it a much deeper and more robust level because God has, it's almost like he unlocked something yes. that he didn't lock up, but she had locked. And it's a recurring story that you're right. When we are in our struggles and in our pain, we're not able to fully trust God's love and we're not able to fully know who he's created us to be. Right. I was in this really, really hard work environment for a number of years. And what you described, I was reminded of it, that the harder things got for me and the more that that pain was inside of me, the less I felt like I was able to be myself. And I remember often thinking I had this pastor who had just started serving at our church around the time that things were getting really hard for me. And I would go meet and talk with him. And I remember a couple of years in, I reflected back on the image of Paul that he had seen in his short time knowing me and how I was just broken and sad and hurt. And I reflected back to times in my life where I was in a healthy space and I was low key and happy and optimistic. And I'm like, oh man, he has never gotten to see the real me <laughs> because this pain has just taken a hold. Right. But when God gave me a very clear invitation to trust him and I finally unclogged my ears enough to listen, <laughs> my situation didn't need to change, but everything changed in a way. Who I was able to understand God to be and who he called me to be, I was able to live into that more fully. And suddenly I was more joyful. I felt more peace. So this is what's great about your story and you sharing today is it's almost like all of this is kind of coming around full circle. What started off as simply your story, you know, now we're at this point where we're recognizing that a lot of people are hurting. Yes. And a lot of people who may want to love others are struggling to do so because of their hurt. And in your story, what we learn is it wasn't that things changed because suddenly everybody in the school became nice to you. Exactly. <laughs> what changed was your understanding of who God is and who he created you to be and that you didn't have to live for anyone else but him. And you were able to thrive in that even if people were still operating like they were before. Yeah. And now you are not just stopping there, but it's like the woman at the well when Jesus spoke to her, not just revealed everything she had done, but still loved her. Yeah. Like, I think that's the part we don't talk about as often is her life wasn't transformed simply because Jesus was like psychic or something. Right. It's because he shared the bad things she had done and was still looking at her with love in his eyes. Yes. And suddenly she felt seen, known, and loved. And the natural response for that was to run into the city and tell everyone and the entire city was transformed. And so here you are, 15 years old, had gone through some hard things and God brought you to a place of joy. And your natural response is, I don't necessarily want to put my business out there, but I feel like I've got to record this thing and I've got to go on Instagram and I've got to encourage people. And oh, here's this podcast popping up on Facebook. I guess I'll go on a podcast. <laughs> and now you are becoming that space that, you know, five, 10 minutes ago, we said 
doesn't exist as much in the church as it should. Right. A space where we are being real and open about hardships, about pain, suffering, about depression, about suicidal thoughts. We're not putting up walls because of the stigmas. You know, you're being honest and open and creating a space where someone listening can say, oh, wow, I've had suicidal thoughts too. And I've never told anyone because I thought everyone would be ashamed of me. But here's Shannon, yeah. <laughs> like reading my mind right now. And suddenly I don't feel so alone and I don't feel so hopeless. And maybe the same God that loves her loves me. So I just want to thank you for living into that. And I'm excited too, because you've got so much life ahead of you, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. that, <laughs> that you're at this place now that some people don't get to until they're 30, 40, 50, 60. The ideas of what God could do with you in this space is just so wonderful. You know, is there someone in your life that you feel like has or is currently playing a similar role where they are being authentic to who God's created them to be and that set an example for you or has encouraged you? It's always been my mother. Mm. I've always looked up to her because she's very bold. And I always just love the boldness that she carried. Mm. And I'm like, okay. You know, I want to be bold like that, God, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I always looked at her as an example because she's been a huge part in my life. Yeah. And just with my growth, she's just been helping me with that. Yeah. So she's awesome. That's great. There's two questions that I have just pushing on my mind. Okay. So hopefully I don't forget the other one. What would you say to parents of kids who are in a similar place that you were? Because I imagine just hearing what you just said about your mom and hearing about how, you know, your, your parents raised you up to speak to God, that they must have their own story themselves of that time and yeah. just seeing you in a hard space. And, and it's hard because you might not have been able to put into words what you were feeling, much less knowing how to communicate it to your parents. And so it's hard for parents then to like want to love their kids, but to not know how. So what would you say to parents whose kids are struggling right now? Now with my parents, I did not tell them. They found out like after everything was done. So I didn't share with them specifically, but they have just always been a huge support, even though I didn't share anything, just having their love. Mm -hmm. That's what helped me through as well. The love of a parent, you know, and for other parents who have children who are suicidal or depressed. I suggest just showing them love because it's, it's really needed. And you don't know like what a kid could be going through. And even in the schools, you have the kids are cruel now in days, but you know, just even in the schools, you know, to show love to your children because mm -hmm. you don't know what they could be going through. Some might not even share it with their parents. Like I was in that same boat. I didn't share it with them, you know, to show them love. I think that's the way you can really truly help. Yeah. And just talk to them. That's good. And it sounds like too, you know, you loved your parents throughout that. And so you weren't withholding that information because you didn't trust them or didn't love them. Right. It was so I wouldn't put a burden on them, I felt. And so that's where the love piece becomes so powerful is because sometimes a parent, the way they want to show love to their kid is to try to fix their kid's situation and try to make their yes. kids better. <laughs> And that's something that my wife and I have fortunately already begun to learn that our job is not to fix our kids or mold our kids into a perfect thing. Yeah. Our job is to shepherd our kids because our kids have a lot of growing to do and a lot of changing that will happen and they're going to hit different seasons. And we need to be in a space where we are understanding and flexible to that. And most importantly, like you said, 
loving them along the way for yeah. who they are, as they are, where they are, even if they're in the terrible twos and they're throwing temper tantrums or <laughs> terrifying threes is what our young kids <laughs> is about to enter. Because developmentally, that's where things are. And preteen years, teenage years, all the way up to age 24, the human brain is still developing, which means there's a lot that can happen in that time and yeah. space. And so to put a pressure on a kid and a teen to explain themselves or to fix the situation could actually have an adverse effect. Whereas what you were saying, to show love, to actually authentically love yes. can do so much and doesn't even have to be big or complicated. Sounds like for you, presence was one of the biggest ways that they showed love. Yes, for sure. The other question I had is to that person who is in that hard place where they feel bullied, where they feel neglected, where they feel like nobody wants them. What would you say to that person? I would say also looking through scripture, it really helped me during that time, looking through God's word and what he says and just feeding yourself with that, you know, eating off the word, I guess they could say. Mm -hmm. And then also listening to what God has to say to you, just closing your eyes and just listening and also just really staying in his presence and in his face. And that's when I really truly found peace was talking to God. That's really what got me through, just talking to him. Just like how you would talk to your best friend, just talking to God. Mm -hmm. And that's what really got me through. Mm -hmm. So that's my advice, looking at his word and talking to him. Yeah. What I like about the analogy, you've used it twice now of talking to your best friend. Yes. I think about it in terms of that type of talking to your best friend that you don't even necessarily always need to be talking. Like a lot of times when we think of communication, it's I say a thing and then you respond to the thing. Yes. But sometimes when best friends are interacting, maybe there's an hour where there's not even any talking because they're just in each other's presence. And then suddenly yes. somebody randomly starts talking again, or <laughs> sometimes it's not verbal. There's like other ways of communicating. When I think of it in terms of being on the phone, I've maybe experienced this a couple of times, but I've known people who sometimes they'll just have the phone, the phone's going for like hours. Oh wow! And the two people are kind of going about their business in the room, but like every once in a while, they'll kind of pick up the conversation, but they're just staying on the line. And I love that picture of that being a similar way that we interact with God, that we don't ever hang up the line. No, keep it on. Yeah, it's, it's just continuous communication that at any given point, we can remember, oh, God is still listening. The line is still up. Yeah. So if I say something, God's still listening. And at any point, God can talk to me if I continue to listen. So yeah, you're, what you're talking about is very real and true, that God does still speak, that God does want us to speak to him. He does want to be in relationship with us and communicate with us. It can be hard on the front end to believe that, to know how to engage that. But you gave a very simple example. When you are at a natural time, when you would have space and you could be on your own at the playground, <laughs> you would use that set apart time to say, okay, this is my time that I'm going to talk to God. Yeah. And that's accessible to anyone. Is there a really simple way you could encourage people to start that journey of praying to God? Like a simple way that you prayed or what would be a simple way for someone to take that first step to talking to God? So maybe you can just talk to him for like two minutes. Tell him how your day went. Mm -hmm. Something simple as that. And then you can talk about something else the next day and then the next day and just continuously do it. And then soon it'll just become easy for you. Like, you know, hi, God, how you doing? <laughs> just talking to him. It's really simple. Yeah. And some people just make it harder than it is. It's really simple to talk to God. Yeah. 
That's what the guest T said is he's just like, you just talk to him like your father, talk to him like your friend, just talk to him, just have a conversation right. with him. How are you doing, God? I'm doing good today. You know, it can <laughs> yeah. seem like a strange thing to people, but we're also talking about in a way, a strange God, a God that does not fit into any of our understandings right. of what is because he's bigger than all of that. So if God he is does not fit in the box, right? So if God doesn't fit in the box, then why are we going to try to fit our communication with him in a box? Exactly. Get creative and see how we can connect. I feel like there's so much more that we could talk about, but for the sake of time, I want to close with two questions. But before I do that, I just want to encourage you again. You know, I said this before, but I don't think I can say it enough. I really appreciate your willingness to take this bold step of faith and obedience to put yourself out there to share your story of what God has done in your life, because it's hard for people to do in general, but especially the younger you are, <laughs> the harder yeah. it can be. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to encourage you that I really believe that God is working through you and will work through you. Yeah. You know, when I had these conversations with people that I don't know, I never know how it's going to go. And there are times when I'm having the conversation where I just get this clear sense that God is at work. And I had that sense in this conversation. God is at work in your life. And I do believe that he's going to work through you. And some of it you will see, some of it you might not. In fact, a lot of it you might not see. There may be people who view your video that you never hear about, but something happens in them. A single word, a single phrase, a comment shifts something in them. And you may not know about it to eternity, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but I just want to encourage you that even if you don't see the fruit, what you're doing is not about actually the fruit. That's on God. Right. What you're doing is about taking a step of obedience towards the God who saw you and a God who loves you. And even if you never see anything come from that, loving him is enough. And yet, in his goodness, he will often show us the ways that he's working through us because he's just that good. So yeah. I just wanted to encourage you keep on going and, and be ready that you're still on a journey. So yes, there are going to be hard moments ahead. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> but it sounds like you have learned some things through this past struggle that has equipped you for the next struggle to come. Yes, yeah. for sure. Well, my last two questions are really simple. The first one is if somebody wanted to hear the outcast again, if they wanted to connect with you or see any of your content, how can they do that? Okay, so on YouTube, you can search Shannon Monet. On Instagram, it's also at Shannon Monet underscore. And then it's the same for Twitter. And then on Facebook, it's Shannon Monet page, P-A-G-E. And then it should pop up. Awesome. And my last question is, is there anything else on your heart or mind that you want to share before we go? Not, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I think I'm that. good. I think I, I think I said everything. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> good. Awesome. Before we go, can I pray for you? Sure. Uh, Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for how you've been at work at Shannon, that from age nine, 10, through those hard years into now at age 15, you have revealed things to her that sometimes it takes people decades to understand. But I also say that knowing that there's so much more journey ahead. So I just pray that you would build up in her a confidence that this is all about you, that her identity is tied into you, and that this journey is towards you. Yeah, I do just pray for the people that will hear her content, will hear the video, uh, will see her posts, that 
they wouldn't be seeing her or her words, but they would be seeing you through those so that it could constantly be a reflection of you and your glory, because this is all about you. Let's just pray in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the Search me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before word is even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. As I was thinking about a passage that captures the thoughts that I was left with after talking with Shannon, this passage came to mind because I feel like it expresses what must have been welling within Shannon's heart as she walked around the playground and talked with God. Here she was, young, wounded, forgotten, neglected, and there on the playground, as everyone else played carefree around her, she walked with God, a God who knew her, who saw her, who loved her, who crafted her, who knew what was behind her and what was ahead of her. Meanwhile, she had no idea what was ahead, she barely knew who she was. And all the while, God was talking with her and walking with her. And the more that she talked and walked with him, the more she discovered a peace that defied understanding. That without a single person having to change their ways around her, she found joy. She found hope. She found value. She found identity. And she didn't write Psalm 139. So her experience isn't unique to her. The God that it speaks about isn't unique to her. If we are experiencing the same heartbreak that she was experiencing, the same God that met her and that met the psalmist can meet you. What I think is so important about her story is that it seemed so hopeless, that hope seemed beyond her capacity. And yet even in her young age, her lack of capacity, her hopelessness, the brokenness, God met her. What I love about Shannon's story 
is it makes it clear that you don't have to be old enough or strong enough or wise enough or hopeful enough for God to be enough, for God to walk with you in the playground, for God to be with you in the midst of the struggle. At age 15, Shannon is sitting in a spiritual truth that is going to serve her well for decades to come, that God is God, that God is good, that God sees her, that God loves her, and that God is making a way. And it's okay if we feel far from God, because he's there. And it's okay if we say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even in that most daunting space, what's true in verse 12 is true for us. Even the darkness will not be dark to God. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to him. There is no situation too dark for God. And this passage is so fitting for Shannon's story because she began talking about singing this little light of mine and feeling like she had a light within her. And even when she felt like that light was out and the darkness had consumed her, what God revealed was that darkness is nothing to him and that her light was still shining. And in fact, he knew how to make it shine even brighter. And here she is, only years after feeling in that hopeless place, sharing her story to who knows how many people, sharing her light in a way that she never would have imagined a few years ago. And this is not because of her, but because of the God who made her and knows her and loves her. And that same God has put a light in you. And you may feel like that light has been snuffed out. You may feel like the darkness has consumed everything, but God knows how to make that light shine for you just as he has for Shannon. The question is, are you willing to walk with him even if you feel alone? Are you willing to walk with him even if everyone is laughing at you around you? Shannon met God on the playground, and whatever your playground is, whatever your space is, he's ready to meet you there. And this may seem silly, it may sound like a platitude, it may sound like Christianese, but if you heard Shannon's heart, you know she experienced something real. So these may be words, but the truth is true. God wants to walk with you today. So whatever your situation, spend that time with him just as Shannon did with God in the playground. And then ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?